This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Sometimes the lines between art, storytelling and history can be blurred to produce some uh, very interesting results. This seems to be the case with art historian Simon Soon's um, first solo exhibition called The Tiger and the Navigator, which is on until the 29th of March at the backroom Kuala Lumpur. The show is described as using um, found digital objects to stage a historian epic. And to understand what that means, I have with me uh, today via Skype, Simon Soon himself. Hi, Simon. Thanks for joining us. Oh, hi, Shamila. Thanks for having me on the show. I think we have to start at unpacking that description because I cannot figure out what it means. Well, um, you know, uh, you know, it's funny to be sort of wearing the artist hat this time yes, uh, on I'm radio. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, uh, with the work that I often do, uh, the, this presentation particularly takes the form of what I call a memory atlas. Mm-hmm. Or you can even sort of call it a scholar gambar, uh, which is a sort of like term that was used shortly after the Second World War uh, and, uh, in the Malay language uh, to describe what the museum was all about. And, uh, and uh, scholar gambar also was a term that uh, existed in, in the forms of sort of like reading rooms or classrooms back then where the surrounding walls of these sort of institute or these sort of spaces were often pasted with all kinds of infographics and pictures, right? Um, so I, I, I wanted to use the kind of like mood board effect or, or, or a Pinterest sort Pinterest, of like, yeah, you know, yeah. space to sort of really uh, draw out connection between different images and objects. Often these op- uh, connections are not always sort of like immediately apparent, but, but I think, you know, uh, sometime in the 1920s, uh, there was this art historian by the name of Abi Barber. He developed this sort of like image board technique, right? Where once you start putting things next to each other, new connections uh, are sometimes sort of like, you know, surface. Mm-hmm. When what, uh, amongst what, are, what, what on first impressions appear to be quite sort of like separate or disparate things. Mm-hmm. Uh, very often this calls for sort of like imagination on the part of the historian. And, uh, you know, uh, it's my way of sort of like saying that in some ways history, when you do history, it really sometimes requires you to sort of like, you know, take a leap of faith and, uh, you know, put yourself back in time and think a bit about what are the possible stories you can tell mm. out of things that you're able to assemble and bring together. So you, when you call them digital objects, what exactly are you talking about? Um, basically, or digital I, objects rather, right? Yeah. yeah. So I spend a lot of time actually online uh, 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 trying to sort of like use the internet creatively. So you know that, uh, yeah, Every few months, you get this announcement, public announcement on either Facebook or other sort of like social media platforms that so-and-so institution has, uh, you know, released like 100,000 free images mm, of public yes. images, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the very sort of like, you know, common thing that we encounter on the internet these days. So I've always been very curious, like, you know, what can we do with all these sort of like free images? Of free documents or, or, or free materials that's uh, that has gone under sort of like the public uh, creative commons sort of like license, uh, and uh, there's a website called the Public Domain Review. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've uh, come across it. I have. Yes, it's a it's a yeah. it's a great resource. 
it's a great resource. And uh, you know, besides uh, you know inviting uh, uh, academics or scholars to sort of write uh, interesting sort of uh, new ways of so inviting them to sort of like write essays that encourage us to think about history uh, using sort of like resources that are available sort of freely online. Uh, they are also sort of like, uh, they also have a section that sort of like encourage more sort of creative undertaking where scholars are uh, nudged towards, you know, uh, uh, exploring uh, other sort of like forms of like, you know, accounting about this past, right? Whether it's a form in the form of fiction mm -hmm. or whether it's, you know, creating their own kind of like, you know, mood board or connection, things like that. I think uh, a lot of, you know, what I try to do uh, is in the spirit of, you know, uh, this website. Right. Um, and you do use these um, found digital objects, or, or rather the mood board concept is in service to um, what you call a historian epic. Um, and even the title, you know, The Tiger and the Navigator, it has that vibe to it. Like, it, it sounds like it's a story rather than a, um, yeah. a, a historical exhibition, let's say. Um, what exactly is that narrative? Well, I mean, it's kind of like an attempt to reinsert allegory back into the heart of all historical inquiry. Mm -hmm. So, and as much as sort of like the modern discipline of history, very often postures itself to be methodologically empirical or approximately sort of objective. You know, I, I think it's very hard for us to deny that at its core, history serves to tell a compelling story about one's place in the world, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this project is this kind of like theatre. And I use the word theatre very specifically in reference to, you know, it's 16th century sort of like European usage, which didn't only mean like a performance or something you sort of like put on as a sort of performance. It was also used metaphorically to describe how we sort of organize knowledge. Uh, so uh, part of what I'm sort of like interested in sort of like discovering is whether we can sort of think of uh, interesting kinds of like archetypal figures uh, in the Malay world and use them uh, creatively to perhaps sort of like say something about, you know, the conditions uh, that we all sort of like live in today that have perhaps origins and roots in the sort of like cultural encounters that happened in the 18th century mm. period. So uh, the Malay version of the title for your exhibition is Sha'ir Datuk Ramat Dengan Sang Mualim. Um, now, who are these figures that you're referencing? Um, well, uh, I guess they are the protagonists mm -hmm. uh, in, in this sort of like historical epic that I was sort of trying to stage yeah. through this exhibition. So uh, may I just um, you know, interrupt the, and ask, is, is, is it the, the Datuk Ramat that we know from history? Uh, it, it could be <laughs> uh, on some level. I think they, they also sort of like embody multiple sort of like references. You know, mm -hmm. the navigator, though principally the navigator is based on this uh, 18th century sort of uh, East India company man called uh, Tom, Captain Thomas Forrest. Mm -hmm. He was a map maker. He was trying to sort of like, you know, find his way from uh, India all the way to uh, Magindanao uh, and trying to sort of like map out that particular part of the world, right? Um, as he was sort of like heading over there, he would sort of like use music specifically. He would carry with him, carry next to him a, uh, a flute that he would 
used to play in the courts to not just entertain, you know, uh, 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 you know the sultans that he would sort of like meet along the way, but also use music as a kind of like you know uh, as a diplom as a way to sort of like gain trade a favorable sort of like trade relationships mm -hmm. uh, amongst all these sort of like sultanate courts. Uh, so he is in some way someone who wants to sort of like you know make map the world and make the world sort of like known uh, for the purpose of sort of you know uh, you know uh, 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 for the purpose of sort of like trade uh, in the belief that all these kinds of like free intercourse the free market itself will ultimately sort of like confer upon humanity both truth and freedom basically is one version of you know the story of capitalism like how global <laughs> yes. sort of like right. capital right mm. uh, while the tiger i think uh you know datukrama uh which is what you would sort of like call a tiger you would not call a tiger harimau or mm -hmm. you would not call a tiger singa but you call him datukrama because in malay sort of like uh, tradition the tiger is sacred mm -hmm. right he's uh, really a, an unruly sort of like spirit uh or, or uh, that represents, you know, uh, uh, something that is untamable, and and so I I stage these two sort of like you know uh, figures in this kind of like you know combat, but they're also locked in an embrace, mm. uh, trying to sort of like describe these two sort of opposing uh, forces uh, in the 18th century, where you have on the one hand enlightenment bringing about a knowledge. Uh, about a way of sort of like trying to know the world while the tiger represents a kind of like spirit they try to resist against this way of knowing the world. Mm. And and they're also, um, you know, especially from the visuals I've seen from the exhibition, they're also fairly emblematic of traditional ways in which we think of the East and the West, right? I mean, the tiger is, is, is quite an Eastern symbol um, yeah. versus the ideals of the West, which are depicted in this fairly colonial looking um, figure. Right, right, yeah, but it's also not a simple, uh, it's not a simple story about the protagonist and antagonist, mm, mm. so I've also sort of like been quite cheeky about this, in the sense that, you know, for example, I translated the term navigator into Muatlim, mm. so which, you know, in, in, in Malay just also means uh, an Islamic religious teacher. Uh, or the tiger, yeah, yes. yeah. for example, might represent, uh, you know, a, a quintessentially sort of like truly local Malay sort of like character, but it's also an incarnation of an anarchic kind of like force, right? Mm -hmm. That is about statelessness. After all, you know, which which Datuk Ramat really has a time of day for kerajaan or monarchy? Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, so instead of assuming it, arriving at some kind of objective historical truth that can solve all our present day sort of like social anxiety, which is how we trend to try, try to instrumentalize history, uh, I guess what I'm interested is to sort of like create a platform where uh, there, there could be a kind of like poetic investigation in our past, mm. uh, learning how to sort of like belong so that we can discover all the subtle ways uh, that uh, uh, that people sort of like build relationships with one another.
So we do need to take a quick break. Um, but when we come back, Simon, I do want to hear more about your process of putting this show together as well. I'm speaking with art historian Simon Soon about his debut solo exhibition called The Tiger and the Navigator, which is a coming together of history, art, storytelling, um, you know, digital found objects. So we will be back after a short break. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture, and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Today, I'm speaking with art historian Simon Soon about his debut solo exhibition, which is called The Tiger and the Navigator, alternately in Malay, Sha'ir Datuk Ramat Dengan Sang Mualim. So it's on until the 29th of March at the Backroom KL. Um, And Simon, um, before the break, you kind of set up for us what the... I suppose what the the concept of the exhibition is going to be. Um, I was quite uh, amused in the in the invitation for the launch. Uh, it, it said Salman bin Soon invites you. Um, yeah, yeah. Is this is this kind of an alter ego that you've created for the show? Um, not for the show, uh, but something that I've acquired uh, since my visit to Iran. Aha. Uh, about maybe three or four years ago, mm-hmm. so it was it was a long-standing sort of like running joke that I became uh, more love, but <laughs> also um, uh, not in uh, not in the sort of like the most sort of like conventional sense of the term. I was also sort of like inspired by Shiism, Shiism, and uh, which is of course uh, very sort of like you know controversial sort of like in. Uh, 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 which is also a very controversial sort of like denomination in, mm. in Asia, right? Uh, but I mean, jokes aside, I I, I think uh, 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 you know by choosing to sort of like call myself Salman Bin Soon, uh, uh, I wanted to sort of like stress of how the power to sort of like mine uh, was really you know very much part of um, how I want to think about the sort of like Malay were in the 18th sort of like century, uh, which is not just about being playful, right? In sort of like Malay ritual theater, mm. uh, it also sort of like means a process in which one loses the self to become another or assume another sort of like form. And this journey is always accounted as a story. So I think there's a, a kind of like very interesting kind of, uh, 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 dimension to this ability to sort of like shape shift here uh, and this this sort of like uh, this comfort in being able to sort of like take on other sort of like form mm. take on sort of like you know assume another sort of like you know, being rather than sort of always talk about who is you know your true self or what is your true identity mm. and think of it as something that is fixed well, the tiger, of course, in Malay legend, is notoriously known for being a shapeshifter, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I am wondering, um, in terms of the, because uh, you mentioned earlier this this idea of of commentary, um, and and linking this uh, linking the eighteenth century Malay world to current, you know, issues, um, anxieties, and I was wondering what is it exactly that you're trying to say? What are those links that you're trying to make? I mean, the, the big thing is always about identity and race politics in this country, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as, as, as much as they provided significant avenues to reclaim century long, centuries long sort of like injury to one's dignity, especially amongst the disenfranchised, it also gave rise to a, 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 a gave rise to a, 
a kind of peculiarly entrenched sensibility of the self, right? And this sensibility is often rooted in the assumption that we all possess, you know, a true essence, that we have to discover what we really, really sort of like are, you know, race, religion, ethnic, gender, sexual, sexuality, are all assumed to be, you know, stable and almost sort of like natural markers of uh, one sense of sort of like self. Uh, but I think in the process, we forget that the self can only be found through interaction with the other, or more, perhaps more radically, we actually contain multitudes. And, and, and I think staging this sort of like story and encouraging us to sort of like mine a bit, uh, uh, it's really to sort of like try to destabilize this kind of like uh, ontological sort of like question that's been sort of always haunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our search for, you know, who we really are authentically. Mm. And what what lessons or, or rather what can we take away from this particular period that you're, uh, I suppose, deconstructing in some ways? Maybe, um, you know, in, uh, in sort of like, you know, through mind, through, through playing, we inhabit the other, you know, as stereotypical as these representations of the other might be, mm. uh, uh, could offer a way for one to negotiate one's place amongst others, uh, but often through sort of like play, laughter, and a bit of sort of like imagination, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to sort of like think of this as a, also a historical method to, to, to sort of assuage us or to, to sort of like find pleasure in, in this in, in, in this ability to sort of sort of like laugh laugh alongside all these sort of like stereotypes, but also generous and generous generous enough to find that hey, these are sort of like uh, the you know to to sort of like play the other uh, also sort of like invites empathy on many levels mm. because then you sort of like open yourself up to actually understanding uh, a different culture a bit more. And, and understand that and start seeing culture as a lot, a lot more fluid and being and and that could then in some ways sort of like uh, that is really the beginning of where you start to also draw connections between one cultural group, one cultural sort one set of cultural practice with another set of cultural practice rather than think of culture as this kind of like you know uh, isolated uh, uh, you know set of practice that that uh, would essentially sort of like come together to, to redefine yourself uh, uh, without sort of like even thinking how it actually sort of like are points that you can actually use to sort of like connect with other people. Mm. And what was your process of putting together this exhibition? I mean, did the idea, the overarching theme come first or did you sort of start on this quest of finding your objects before a theme emerged? Huh? Well, actually, I had a pleasure to attend a soiree at the home of this sort of like, you know, well-known fine architect called uh, Dr. Lim Chongkat about two years ago in Penang, mm-hmm. uh, where the Wicked Music People, uh, uh, which is an early music sort of like group uh, based in KL, they were there to perform for a small audience using a harpsichord that belonged to Chongkat sort of like collection. So one particular sort of like piece stood out. Uh, they, uh, which uh, back then was claimed to be a Malay song that was sort of like composed by, you know, Ahmad Saleh. Mm. Uh, 
from from the East India sort of like company. So you know, uh, after that, I, I was quite sort of like fascinated by the story, and digging a little bit deeper, I sort of like found out about you know uh, how. Uh, how uh, found about who this sort of like figure was, and at the same time, I was also sort of like you know uh, working primarily on sort of like the Muharram processions in the Malay world. This is a research project that I worked on as a, as a historical sort of like project, and the tiger dancers. I was obsessed by the tiger dancers then, that were an important sort of like feature performance act in the Muharram sort of like procession. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, so imagination, I guess, kicked in mm -hmm. at a point, you know. Uh, uh, with the Muharram procession, it's also about a kind of sort of like, you know, a, a, a kind of community sort of like festival. Often, often it's very cross-ethnic where people dress up and play out, play play other kinds of like stock characters right uh, that is part of the part of the festival program mm -hmm. uh, so I, I got sort of like interested in, in, in thinking about how these uh, sort of uh, spaces where you could sort of like tell a history about colonial encounters from different perspectives what I what if I were to sort of like bring them into conversation what if I were to sort of like put the tiger next to the navigator uh, uh, a lot of that kind of like uh, the, the staging of this sort of like confrontation was actually uh, inspired by this an automaton sort of like sculptor sculpture that was uh, that was commissioned by uh, the Tipu Sultan mm -hmm. in Mysore, uh, where he had this kind of pounce on you know an senior sort of like company man. And the, the on the body of the tiger uh, is this sort of like. Uh, is, is an uh, built into the body of the tiger is a is an organ where if you press on the keys the tiger will sort of like let out a sort of like drone uh, so I wanted to sort of initially sort of like play with uh, training and automating but <laughs> in the end uh, I guess because of all the stories that uh, and all the sort of beautiful images that uh, you know I've amassed uh, as was you know, working on sort of like different things, and they, I, sh and they shot up in, in such a nice way that I, I thought uh, maybe an image board mm -hmm. would, would be uh, a much more suitable sort of like format to really sort of like invite people to see what other possibilities they can, you know, play with if they were to encounter this image board. Where might they sort of like take them? Right. You know, take a visitor on their own journey. Mm. of sort of like discovering the Malay in the 18th century. So you are, of course, um, known as an art historian, a curator, an academic. What is it like to now take one step into this sort of world of exhibiting? Is this your first solo exhibition? Um, yeah. do, you, do you feel like an artist now as well? Sometimes. Um, um, it, it, it's, it's definitely different. It's not my first time sort of like showing. Mm -hmm. I, I've shown uh, a number of times. I've sh shown a few times before, uh, but uh, it is sort of like... This is the first time you're showing in Malaysia. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm very, I, I guess being on the sort of like, um, you know, on the other side is that you're always sort of like curious about what other people mm-hmm. are thinking about your work, right? Uh, and then you realize that, okay, and maybe the, frustra- the frustrations of uh, a lot of artists are, are valid that uh, people are not as forthcoming in, uh, <laughs> in in sharing what they think of the show mm. with you. Uh, uh, and it's easier to always sort of like uh, do the judging and the assessing <laughs> and the evaluating. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what do you, um, you know, if there's one thing that you want people to take away from coming to this exhibition, what would it be? Um, I, I, I hope that it would at least sort of like inspire us to sort of like think about the possibilities that one can do with uh, uh, using sort of like historical material and sources uh, and try to sort of like uh, learn how to sort of like play with sort of like, you know, historical sources. Uh, uh, it's uh, to think of it as a process of sort of like creative, adaptive sort of like reuse mm. uh, and, and think about how these sort of like stories that we actually sort of like come up with can be about, you know, certain kinds of like durable, durabilities of, you know, uh, of certain values of our past mm. that continue to exist in our sort of like our present lives. So uh, I'm interested in, in you saying this playing with history, right? Um, and you mentioned that a little bit earlier as well. Um, as someone who comes from that historical background, is there a tension when, when you talk about then unpacking, playing, reimagining history? Yeah, there is, there is a lot of sort of like tension. Mm. Uh, or anxiety mm. uh, amongst historians to always, especially in sort of like Malaysia, to always prove that uh, one is, uh, what one, the case that one is sort of like presenting has meet the sort of like, you know, the rigor of sort of like objectivity, right? Mm. Well, only because, you know, uh, we have seen that creativity to uh, anyone who the sort of like far right, basically. I think there's a way to sort of like play with history that doesn't sort of like that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to present information in as factually dry a manner as sort of like possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is also like um, you know I th- I think the anxiety to be objective to be empirical uh, uh, needs to be sort of like rethought. I I I'm not and. Highly, sort of like uh, I'm not saying that you know we should sort of like abandon you know empiricism altogether, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that um, the way we choose to sort of like you know engage with our historical sources can be a lot more sort of like imaginative, and if we do not start sort of like bringing imagination sort of like back into our uh, approach to history, uh, what you're getting is really. Uh, people who are going to uh, use this, uh, this objectivity as a sort of like yardstick yard and, and, and assume that uh, the claims that they make are, are, are entirely sort of like unquestioned just because it's sort of like found that just because it's sort of like established uh, based on a sort of like, you know, a procedure or sort of mm. like method. So the form uh, almost validates the truth, where else that's not necessarily the case. Exactly, mm. exactly, you know, uh, exactly. And I think when, when we start thinking about form in a much more uh, 
creative way. Mm. Uh, as forms that also sort of like shapeshift uh, as, as changes, mm. as forms that can sort of like take on other kinds of like, you know, pot, uh, uh, possible sort of like shapes and sort of like sizes. I think we can, uh, I think history will also sort of like come alive and speak to different sort of like uh, audiences. Mm. Thank you so much, Simon. Um, uh, you know, it sounds like it's a really interesting exhibition. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we also have a very beautiful sort of like um, booklet that's designed by, uh, you know, what arguably KL sort of like most brilliant designer, Junkit. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he has uh, done this beautiful booklet where I've also on this occasion learned how to write, you know, a shy poem. Yes, I've been seeing some, uh, some, some Instagrams on this booklet. It is very, very beautiful. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So if anything, I would really highly encourage you to come and, you know, get one of the booklets. It retails for 10 ringgit. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Simon, for, for talking to us Thank about the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I've been speaking with art historian Simon Soon um, about his debut solo exhibition called The Tiger and the Navigator, uh, a coming together of history, art, storytelling, uh, digital found objects. Um, and it's on at the Backroom Kuala Lumpur until the 29th of March. And for more information, visit the Backroom Kuala Lumpur on Facebook. If you've missed any part of this interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.